to Monorants, the only boys where you watch podcast hosted by two armchair security experts. I'm one of your hosts and jack of all trades, Mono, and with me is my co-host and master of none, Kira. What? Say hello, Kira. Hello! <laughs> and uh, before we get into anything else today, there was a very important announcement made the day before yesterday. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. Brain farted there for a second. <laughs> It was announced that we are going to be getting an eight-episode animated anthology series entitled Diabolical. Woohoo! That's going to be taking place in the world of The Boys. And yeah, fucking super excited Due when I saw that. Due to be released January? Well, early, early 2022, they said, anyway. So, but it'll tide us over. Yeah, it'll certainly it'll keep us going until season three comes along. Um plenty more content for us to cover as well so and to be mad about and to be freaked out by the animation because if they do it in a similar style to other anthology series like love love death and robots was that what it was called yeah um Um, obviously the animatrix which is the originator of these yeah well the seth rogan and evan goldberg said that that for years they've wanted to rip off the animatrix because they love it so much and finally they're getting the chance to it was beautiful it was nice to see other things happening in Um, that world but if they sometimes when they choose different animation styles throughout it some of them can be really off-putting true but given that it's an anthology series and it's all different writers yeah uh you were saying something that the main showrunner for it is the showrunner who was on invincible that's yeah the showrunner is it's oh god um simon is definitely his first name and it's like (laughs) i'm not even gonna no i'll definitely mispronounce his surname because i I know i will if i don't look it up but yeah he was the showrunner for invincible um, um, and and I, that I really really like yeah that was great I really enjoyed thoroughly that thoroughly enjoyed that so yeah no definitely looking forward to this I mean by the time this ep- episode airs it'll be old hat news because of our recording schedule but it's we'll, erratic but yeah no I was saying yesterday before we sat down to watch this episode that I mean what a time to be a boys fan season 3 is coming there's a spin off coming well the fact that they even We're got a season this. well the fact that they got the season 2 before season one even aired, and the same was season, amazing. Because season three as well was announced before season two aired. Yeah, um, but yeah, as I say, we'll we'll keep keep you updated as as news is revealed of diabolical. But as for today, we are going to be chatting season two, episode six, the bloody doors off. And much like a certain someone who makes an appearance, this is a particularly thick and meaty episode. Oh, it's got girth. <laughs> yes, it does. And if that wasn't enough to put you off, this is a full spoiler chat as well for the comics and the show. But yeah, no, this is. The, I know I said that episode three was probably my fa- my favorite episode, but this close second. Oh no, I think this beats it. This is just a fantastic episode. There's so much going on, like, and you know, there's so much action, and there's gore, and there's fucking, and people are getting redemption. There's a little bit of something for everybody, surely, yeah. in this episode. Yeah, this one you do get whiplash off of because it does change pace quite cl- quickly and it goes... Uh, certainly when you're following Homelander's journey, that's definitely yeah. very whiplashy. <laughs> but yeah, before we get too far into it, um, I shall give a little summary. Yeah. yeah. In today's episode, Homelander and Stormfront's relationship gets off to a rocky start while the Deep tries to bring A-Train into the church. Annie, Butcher and the boys try to work together and head to Sage Grove, where massive revelations await. But they'll need to confront an army of soups and their own mistakes, past and present, to make it out in one piece. So yeah, there's no, there's a lot goes on in this episode. There is a lot in this episode. Thankfully, there's only two kind of main areas of 
focus that everything else revolves around, which does Pretty much. help sort it out because if there was multiple set pieces, I, it would just be messy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And it is very, for, for how much information you get throughout this episode and for how much action that goes on in this episode, it's, it's actually really well segmented. Yeah. And this episode is like an hour and seven minutes long. Yeah. But it doesn't it, really feel it. No, it didn't feel it. And like what you were saying about episode three, the real kind of. If it was pace. a blink and you miss it episode, yeah. Oh, and there's a lot in this that you could miss if you're not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> there's an awful lot in this. It, um, between small plot points and Easter eggs and. Yeah. And just little things. There's a lot to take in in this episode. It starts off on a little flashback. We get Frenchie's Golden Girls talk. Oh, yeah. Thank you for being a friend. Yeah, I love Frenchie's little golden golden girls. Yeah. But it's it's sweet. It, so it's eight years prior to current events. Yeah. he there. It's him, Cherie, and their friend, Joe? Joe, yeah. <laughs> That's how much I give a shit about him. <laughs> Who's there. They're hanging out. He's, ra- he's saying about, you know, when he arrived into New York and he didn't know anybody and that got him through it. Yeah. And then he's like, let's go rob a bank. Yeah. <laughs> Takes all the drugs, robs a bank. I love the fact that he was putting pills in a coffee grinder. Well, that's that's called back to in the later flashback scenes. But no, what I really liked about that is you don't, in the comics, you don't really get... You get a ridiculous backstory for Frenchie, which is hilarious, but not really to be believed. Oh, the baguette jousting. Yeah, the baguette yeah. jousting. <laughs> but... Apart from that, his his entire recruitment to the boys is basically Billy going, right, what we need now is an absolute nut job. And he sees him in a bar just randomly being a nut job and goes, this is the guy for us. <laughs> and that's that's all there is to his yeah. recruitment. So I really like what they do with it in, in this episode. We'll talk about it later on, yeah. but I really like what they do with it in this episode. But uh, a- after that, we get treated to the old, um, murder fucking scene. Yeah. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah, so... Like, honestly, like, do what you gotta do, but don't hurt anybody. This is just, like, <laughs> weird. Yeah. They basically, they stop a guy who's, like, what, robbed something? Yeah, he's, he's hiding just... behind a dumpster, a homelander pops down behind him and is like, hello. Yeah, and then Stormfront pops down from the other side and, and breaks his wrist. Yeah, because excessive he's... force. And then he Goes... pins him up against, homelander pins him up against the wall with a hand on his face, and then Stormfront just starts... Jacking him off. <laughs> well, before that, she has a little rant about, you know, what what should we do with him? Should we should we bring oh. him down to the cops? And oh well, he'll just get released tomorrow. And she talks about how how everybody's got their phones out these days, and it makes it so hard for people to do their jobs. And then in an alleyway in broad daylight, they cops his head. Yeah, like a they <laughs> explode this guy's head while he's getting his codpiece rubbed, and then they they <laughs> fuck beside his slumped over headless body. After just talking about how there's cameras not, everywhere and people record everything. That's not everything. a cod piece. He wears a safety cup. You know he does. <laughs> well, she must have been rubbing him pretty hard through that because he looked like he was really enjoying it. Maybe she's using the old tingly balls. <laughs> using some of those electrical powers. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, fuck it. It's Homelander. Like, come on. Oh, we're not surprised by anything that they get up no. to at this point, I don't think. But, well, I... I'm not surprised, but as I say, they they just talked about how people have their phones out all the time. Yeah, I know, and, and it's, it's the dirty, middle of the dirty fucking day. <laughs> At least she has a cape to like, you know, keep her bare ass off that wall. <laughs> so, because you know, he couldn't be a gentleman and put his back to the wall. It's Homelander, of course. He's not going to be a gentleman. I know, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a hell of a scene. <laughs> it's really 
fucking fucked up is what it is. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, but it also, like, the pair of them are so consumed in each other and this idea that they're both right and it's them against the world and she's stoking this, like, in manic part of him. Well, and yeah. just, like, she's allowing him to justify his behaviour and egging him on. Like, they're the perfect storm. Like, she's oh, yeah. manipulating him and encouraging him and he's, she's already brought him down, like, to the pit of despair. <laughs> yeah. In, by making him lose everything and she's been the one now who's come and rescued him and she's agreeing with him and she's like yes I believe you and it is very sinister oh yeah and, and she's the first well of, of that we've seen of his like love interests who isn't tra- trying to like coax him away from doing this kind of thing like still yeah. very much wanted to keep him on the straight oh yeah and narrow. she's full on encouraging it yeah where she's full on encouraging the madness and obviously we get a justification for it later on well not justification for it later on but we do see a little bit more of Stormfront's intentions intentions and agenda come out in this episode yeah but when we see them later on back on set and Homelander's like a little puppy oh I have a surprise for you oh and he's all big eyes he's like a golden retriever (laughs) and no, I just, uh, my favourite part of the, all of their interactions is just after that sequence when it cuts to the basement, the gang with Butcher and the female watching them. Oh, watching them on TV. TV and yeah. they're being interviewed and he just turns, Butcher turns to the female and goes, they're fucking. No, it's it's the female turns to Butcher and looks at him like, are you seeing this? And yeah. he looks at her and goes, yeah, you're right. They're fucking. <laughs> I'm just, oh, shit. Yeah, that that's not really a team up that's going to help Also, anybody. in that interview, they they state that Black Noir is the trickster on set. Oh, yeah. We get a lot of little Black Noir gems in this. The, the, there's a brilliant line later on from Homelander about how he's going to go and run lines with Black Noir. Black Noir does not speak. Yeah, I know. He's like, I'm going to go run lines with Noir. I'll be back. Oh, yeah, that's when he runs off like a little bitch. Yeah, like, yeah, it's later on when he's running off like a little bitch. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love I love how he's just so fond of Black Nora. And I, I'm going to guess it's just because Black Nora doesn't say anything. Yeah. And Homelander just takes that silence as tacit agreement to everything Homelander says. So he's like, yeah, Black Nora's my best buddy. He agrees with everything I say. Yeah. But, yeah, when they're back on set and he's like, I have a little surprise for you. And she's like, oh, I have to go off to the, the tower for a meeting. Also, you get the great bit in the background where Ashley's trying to ask him something and an intern shows up and is like, I still can't find her. And Starlight's missing. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's actually just running off screaming because apparently she just can't have a normal day. No, no. It's Ashley. Nothing goes well for Ashley. <laughs> Ever. But when he goes inside his trailer oh, and we see that his surprise is just flowers. In the shape of a heart. And, and it it's says, it's fucking red roses and baby's breath. Come on, could you get any more unoriginal? In fact, it's it's less than that. It's a fucking insult. <laughs> <laughs> but is it because he he doesn't know? I don't know. You'd be better off giving her the head of a baby. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, for her, you probably would be. But like, that's a real like fourteen Wait. or fifteen year old boy with his first girlfriend kind of move. Yeah, but not after you've just killed a man and had sex on top of his corpse. But that just like he is he he that completely fucked up sexually yes the the actual relationship side of relationships he just has no idea no what to do or he, where to go yeah no he's just wrong and he looks at the card and he looks at the flowers and he decides he seems to decide okay well I'll wait here she said she'll only be 20 minutes and you can slowly hear a little clock ticking in the, in the background, background. 
that when we cut back to him later, that clock ticking is a lot louder. Yeah, <laughs> and he just he just leans back like he doesn't even sit down. He just leans against the desk and waits for her. Yeah, the clock's a lot louder when we cut back to him, and I'm guessing it's been quite a while. <laughs> and the next thing we see is uh, fire trucks and smoke, and the trailer's been burnt to a crisp. Yeah, it's just so childish. Everything, everything about that. Well, after they 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 killing the guy and fucking beside him. All, yeah, all of Homelander's like reactions and reactions are just so childish. Well, emotionally, he is a child. Mm. He didn't go through normal social behaviors or anything like that when he was raised, and certainly his adult life has been anything but normal. It's it's bound to fuck you up. Just look at the Hollywood child stars. Yeah, when you don't have these norms and you don't have these boundaries, it's not clear to you whether or not. Yeah, shit is right or not. Yeah, and and Homelander really doesn't seem to have Homeland- a clue anymore. No. <laughs> and like, it's not like he has like any sort of authoritative figure or parental figure because he hated Vogelbaum. Stillwell was like a weird pseudo mother. Edgar, he seems to view as like the absent father. You know, he, he has an awful lot of disdain for him, and it seems to be because. He doesn't pay enough attention to him. Or he's like the, he's, he's or... the rich uncle that lives overseas. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he just seems to, to bounce around from one affection giver to the other. Yeah. And he but doesn't... he also doesn't have, he has a very skewed moral compass as well. Because oh, God, he yeah. spends his days, like he has no regard for human life. So why would he have any regard for anybody else? Oh yeah, no, it's only, it's only his own feelings he's concerned about. And when Stormfront does show back up and asks what happened and he's just like, nah. Electrical fire in the trailer. Oh, I'm sorry. There's another amazing Ashley moment there because she's like, there's an ambulance when you can see the the burnt husk of the trailer Mm. and she's sat in the back doors of the ambulance and she's got like one shoe on and her hair's half on fire. Uh, Like she's all frazzled looking. She's got an oxygen mask and that same intern runs up and immediately she's up and she's screaming at her, ripping the oxygen mask off. And she's like, you better tell me you found her. Never mind the fact that she's just been like fucking, like had an extreme fire on set. Yeah. <laughs> she still can't find Starlight. Yep. And we do find out where where Starlight is. But just before we get onto that, the rooftop scene between oh um, Homelander and Stormfront, I thought was really interesting because... Homelander just seems so uncertain and off balance. He tries his usual thing of, I went to check up on you, you weren't there. And then he tries to kind of get threatening with her and he puts the hand around her throat. But She likes it? Well, she does seem a little bit worried, but I feel like he's not committed to it. He's not convinced by what he's saying himself. Yeah, well, she's the first person who encourages this side in him. Mm. She's got him questioning everything that he knows because what he has been doing up to now isn't working. Yeah. Everything that has happened since her introduction has been leading him to a point where he doesn't know what's up, what's down. And I think this is the first time where he's like, I can't. He's either trying to assess the situation or the fact that he has become so dependent on her and he can't, he's, he can't lose her. Yeah, I think that's what it is. With everybody else, he's happy to, to threaten them. Maeve, A-Train, Annie, yeah. even Edgar. He knows it doesn't really work with Edgar, but he still, he knows Edgar is just a man. But with Stormfront, he's questioning. He's like, this is what I always do. And it doesn't always work out for me because I always end up breaking my toys yeah. <laughs> as well. And then he does, yeah, he just kind of goes, 
and, and leaves it and it's just like whatever I'm, I'm gonna go and run lines with Noir. yeah because he's like I followed you to the tower when you weren't there and she was like yeah well I had to go and do other stuff yeah fucking Susie Stalker fan over here yeah who then burnt down his own tra- like it would have been hilarious if he'd burnt down hers I think the, the I think he just uh, did he laser the flowers and miss yeah, yeah no, I, think was, I, think, I think that's what it is is he he didn't want her to come back and see the flowers and feel like he was super needy you know if she came back yeah. after hours and he was still waiting there and he still had the flowers he would feel like he was being all needy so he went to burn those flowers and then just burnt the whole fucking trailer down <laughs> <laughs> at least to me that's what I think happened but yeah as we mentioned Danny is nowhere to be found amongst no. the superheroes and well our first glimpse of Annie this episode she's in her civilian clothes they're in a jeweler's yeah Frenchie's wearing a pair of goggles which is never a good sign oh to me it's an excellent sign I, I love seeing Frenchie Frenchie goggles. goggles is amazing but you know if Frenchie's broke like broken out the goggles there's some mad shit about to go down yes and said said mad shit involves a diamond tipped <laughs> jeweler's blade because yeah. they have to get a tracking chip out of Annie I love Huey's reaction to all of it oh my god but he's got the two tiny little tissues I was like dude every time you've been in a situation where there's going to be blood it's yeah. not ended well for you bring an umbrella yeah and Frenchie's attempt to, to comfort him is like you know look at this point you think you would be used to being covered in blood yeah. anymore, but it's always worse when it's the blood of somebody you love and he was like uh, no love I never said um. yeah <laughs> and, she, and he's just like let's get on with yeah, it let's just get this done so, luckily it's in a convenient location it's like in the side of her neck sort of yeah yeah that the drilling and the pop meh yeah, those are some realistic sound effects, all yes. right. <laughs> yes, they are. That's a really big chip that they pull out of her. Yeah, it ain't small. <laughs> it ain't small. But uh, once they get the tracker out, they take Annie to their their kind of base of operations with the Haitian kings, and there's a few tense introductions. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, you know, they're taking her into this little ray of sunshine down into this squalor. That's where we get the the boys watching, and we're female, and Billy are watching the TV with yeah. Stormfront. And then Annie comes in with Huey and Frenchie. And Frenchie's a little bitch. Frenchie's a, a bit of a little bitch to the female, the female. Because she's back. Well, the last time they saw each other was when he stormed out of the church. Yeah. And she does seem to be, in this episode at least, she's in a better place. Because that last episode, she is just a zombie. Yeah. It's almost like she's kind of gotten the violence out of her system. Yeah, or and or made she's some money. <laughs> or or she's listened that maybe she did listen to a little bit of what he yeah. said in that. But she's it back won't help, anyway. It won't help her catch Stormfront. No, she knows that what will help her catch Stormfront is working with the boys. Yeah, but yeah, he's such a little bitch. He comes in and he sees her and he's like, "Oh, you're done killing mobsters or whatever," and rightly so. She just gives him the finger. Yeah. <laughs> We get a sassy Kimiko this episode. It's oh, I love her see. sass in this episode. It's fucking brilliant. The facial expressions this episode are amazing. But she turns around, Annie's there. Annie's understandably nervous because the only time she's met Kimiko was when they were rescuing her. And, yeah. she's all, and she was like heavily drugged. Yeah. So, you know, she knows she's not really fond of soups. Yeah, she's like, hey, do you remember me? And she gives her the biggest hug. Yeah, a big smile and then this massive hug. And it's really <laughs> and sweet. he's just like, okay, all right, hug the person. Yeah, no, I thought it was really sweet. Yeah. But then we get Annie and Butcher's introduction and was Ooh, actually less yeah. tense than I was expecting it well, to be. Well, at this point, um, I think he has a somewhat of a begrudging respect for her. Yeah. Everything to do with getting the V 
and getting it out there. And rescuing the boys at the end of season one. Co- yeah, she's been covering for them. She's been giving them information. You know, I think he does have a begrudging respect for her because Homelander is gunning for her. Yeah. He's still fairly standoffish, but not as much as you would expect. Well, he's had to face some harsh truths in the last couple of episodes, and I think they're finally settling it, setting in. Yeah, there's a bit that, that I think really highlights that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, when they get to Sage Grove, which it turns out that's why Annie's there. Annie yeah, says, she has more information know, for them about it. Because after the introduction, he turns to Huey and then goes, why is she here? Rather than asking her... And then he's like, well, I have information about Sage Yeah, that she'd broken into Stormfront's laptop in the previous episode. And it's like there's hundreds and hundreds of emails from Stan Edgar to her about Sage Grove. And that she'd found the facility and that it was worth looking into. Because why would this soup that they've discovered was active in the 70s, why would they be involved with a mental health facility? And I think Butcher's interest is peaked because it's got something to do with Stan Edgar. And yes. it's like, if Stan Edgar is involved, it's something at the very top of Vaught. So he wants to know what it is. Yeah. And off they go to what ends up being the, the majority of the episode, which is the yeah, events well, of Sage Yeah, well, you've got Butcher insisting that, Star- or that Starlight come with them. Yo, that's his, his uh, never go into the, the waters without chum line, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, when you're going to go swimming with sharks, never go in without chum. And they get to uh, the Sage Grove facility and we get a little bit more female sass when we see what she's been doing with some of her uh, Oh, the big, money. the big ass, like... <laughs> knuckle dusters. It, no, well, no, it's like it's like a triple ring. It's a knuckle duster. <laughs> no, it's because it actually is like four rings. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she wants it as a knuckle duster. Yeah, right? she does. But it says bossy and it's all like blinged out. And he's like, oh, and she's like, oh, this is what you do with your money. And she yeah. just like puffs on it. Yeah, it shines it shines on her <laughs> I love her sass in this episode. It's brilliant. <laughs> Before they go in, they they kind of decide who's going to go in and it's M.M., Frenchie and female are going to go in and he's going to get them through the French but can't go in in case anybody actually recognises her. Yeah. So when Butcher's sending them off, he says to Frenchie, hey, don't get caught. And he says, I never do. And we get treated to a flashback of Frenchie being caught. And it's... It's six years, I think. Well, no, it's still supposed is to be... Eight, eight, that's still eight years. Oh, yes, it's, it's the bank heist. Yeah, it's the he, bank heist has not quite worked out. No, well, it's also his introduction to Mallory. He's yeah. chained up in a holding cell. Mallory comes in, doesn't introduce herself, doesn't say anything like that. Well, first thing she says is that the bomb was ingenious. It's weaponized Xanax. Yeah. Knowing that they would be going up against a soup who was powered by rage, yeah. essentially. So weaponizing Xanax just Take away cancels his anger. him. <laughs> And then she treats us to a couple of little Easter eggs where she says he used similar tactics to take down Cold Snap and Malchemical, who are both in the comics. Malchemical's as, such a dickhead. Yeah, as members of the G-Men <laughs> and Super Duper, respectively. Mallory basically says that she wants to recruit him. Yeah, utilise him because obviously he is a very much outside the box thinker. Yeah, she wants a man of his talents and he kind of tells her to fuck off and she says, oh well, that's a shame for you, but it's a real shame for your two friends who are going to get shipped off to a supermax prison that's full of like the most horrible people that you could possibly think of. Or we can make this all go away and you can work for me. Yeah, they can go free and you can come work for me. She leaves to like kind of leave him to stew over that, but as she's going out the door, he does ask what... He's like, wait, wait. What line of what kind of work do you do? And that's how he's sold on it. 
Yeah, that's how we get the story of how he's recruited into the boys. Yeah, and as I say, it's it's nice to see a more fleshed out version of it than compared yeah. to the comics. The only one we haven't seen now is MM's recruitment yeah. story. And I reckon we'll get that in season three. Yeah. And I have my own theories about it, but I'll, I'll hold on to yeah. them for the season wrap. But when we uh, when we cut back to Sage Grove, the guys have gotten in. Yeah, well, they've gotten through the ga- gate. Annie laser blasts a hole through the fence. Yeah. And Butcher is up on top of the van with his big ass sniper rifle, and he's got her. And you can see him considering just putting one in her head. Oh yeah, she's he's coming back. He's got her right in the cross. He takes the safety off, like he's gonna do it. And then for some reason, he reconsiders. Yeah, he stops. And you might—I don't know—you might agree with me, you might disagree with me. But pre everything that happened to him with Becca in the compound, he would have only stopped because she's still useful to him at this point. Yeah. Now I feel like when he stops, he actually looks a little bit ashamed of himself. Yeah. Because he's considering shooting Annie, who's doing everything she can to help them, only because she's a soup. And he stops and he realises that's exactly the fucking reason he just lost Becca. Yeah. It's because he couldn't get over this boy, this innocent young boy who's never done anything wrong, being a soup. Yeah. To me, I might be reading way too deep into it, but that's just how it came across. No, well, it is kind of... Um, it is relevant because oh, as yeah. they're helping him down off the roof and Annie puts her hand up and he ignores it and she confronts him on that. She's like, well, do you hate me so much yeah, that you, you won't even touch my hand? And she does rightly point out that there's somebody else out there who acts like that and he has a, a flag for a cape. And that one, that it, hurts. When Yeah, when she calls him a bigot and a bully. Yeah. And, and, and she's exactly right because she says, she says to him effectively, the only reason you hate me is because of what's in my blood. It's not anything she's done. It's yeah. not anything she's going to do or anything she has any control over. It's what's in her blood. And, and it was done to her as a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and he has, she has no control over it. Yeah. And he's done nothing. And he's only been a benefit to the boys the yeah. whole since she was introduced. You know, even when she didn't realize she was when they were using her, when yeah. they were using her in season one, she was still a benefit to them. And yeah, he, he kind of has to accept it. Like that, if the only reason he hates her is because well, he's of what's ta- in her blood, he is a bigot. Yeah, well, this is like what the second, third time he's had somebody who either he has respect for or has you know defended him, call him out. Yeah. So it's it. it <laughs> Yeah, because he's he, kind of got to face it at this point. Well, it, yeah, it started with Becca in episode four. Yeah, and then in the last episode, Butcher, sorry, yeah, Huey and then call him out. Both over call him his... out over his like a suicide attempt, wanting to go out in the blaze of glory. Yeah, and now Annie is is reconfronting him again with his bigotry, and he does. He's slowly starting to realize he has to get over it if he ever wants to do anything to save Becca. Yeah. But just as that conversation is gets to its it's like very serious <laughs> about to come to blows, Stormfront flies overhead yeah. and appears How at Sage Grove. She zips by. Oh yeah, she comes past very fast. She as like, fast she as was... as fast as Homelander, yeah. I'd say. I do like the way when she lands, she does need to use a little bit of electricity to like slow Decelerate. herself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then it, it cuts to inside the building where we see even more female sass <laughs> <laughs> when Frenchie's like, get on the trolley. She just looks at him like, you fucking get in. <laughs> so, He's like, fine. So Frenchie gets in. <laughs> and they they go straight up to the security room. Yeah, cause a distraction. And then starts banging on the door saying, you know, hey, we need help. This guy swallowed his fucking tongue. Let us in. And he opens the door and Frenchie immediately shoots him point blank. 
Yeah, well, I think that's kind of the plan all along because they need to get in there without any alarms being raised. Yeah, and for what they find out as soon as they get into the security room, this is a guy who works for Vought. He's up to some nasty shit. They don't. They, they have no problem killing him. Oh, yeah, he's a red shirt. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's totally a red shirt. And obviously, as the security room banks the cameras, there's, they're looking at all the individual cameras on all the cells. You find out that this is a facility for holding soups. Full of soups. Absolutely full of them. So you get some who are just like rocking in corners. There's a guy who's punching the shit out of the walls. There's a kid levitating. There's it, one girl just like dead on staring at the camera. It, interestingly... The doors are shit. Well, we'll get onto that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, none of the soups in the rooms, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but none of them were ones I recognised from the comics, with one obvious exception. No, they're all like the guy with the acid vomit. Shit, acid vomit is Blochowski from the G-Men. Yeah. Yeah, and then obviously the the one that gets called out by M.M. when he sees the giant penis. Love sausage. Brother's gonna love sausage. Yeah, love sausage. I'm actually, I'm quite sad that, that he's in the in Sage Grove because the actual character in the comic books is oh, great he's, fun. He's brilliant. He's he's so much fun. So I was a little bit sad that we don't get well, that side of things. We, we might get more of him. Yeah. Because we know we're going to get little Nina in season three. <laughs> and little Nina in the comics is where we get introduced to Love Sausage, the character, who yeah. in the comics is an a ex-Russian Russian soup. Yeah. And the only soup that Billy likes and is willing to work with, basically. Yeah, he's like a commie soup. It's hilarious. Um, but, he's a, but the character is brilliant. But he um, can't run and use his superpower at the same time. <laughs> yeah. We, we might yet get more of him. Yeah. Because I know that Cindy, who we see in this episode as well, yeah. is going to be in season three to some degree as well. Yeah, well, some of the... So, fingers yeah. crossed we get more Love Sausage. But yeah, the realisation that this is a facility for holding soups, they also then on the cameras see Stormfront entering. Yeah. Then they see her moving down the corridors and then moving into a room with the orderly that had been seen in the previous episode. And they're talking to a guy called Tim and they get him to do if he's, they're like, oh, show us what you learned. And he floats a melon. Yeah. And she's like, that's really good. And he's like, he then refuses to cooperate with them any further. And he's like, no, I won't. I'm not doing anything until you let me see my family. Talk to my sister. And Stormfront kind of smiles at him and is like, yeah, we, we can see. We'll what see what we can do. do about that and kind of gives the orderly a look. While the guys are watching this, they're like, hey, he looks really, really familiar. Yeah. You know, I just can't place his face. And he whips out a lighter and... um Torches the guy. Yeah, he he incinerates poor Tim. And they're like, shit, it's Lamplighter! freak out. Because this is Lamplighter who torched Mallory's grandchildren. Frenchie. Like, Frenchie, how they kept him in that room. Yeah, he immediately pulls out the gun. He's like, well, we gotta go kill him. He's here. We gotta go fucking kill him right now. So, Lamplighter, which, who was... uh, was a disgraced member of the Seven or a retired member of the Seven? I think well, it's announced at that at the, in the, the very, very first, first episode, episode. Yeah, yeah, it says retired. that Starlight is replacing him and he's been retired. Yeah, it's never been made a mention as to why, and I still am unsure why. Yeah, because from the timeline of what's set out in this episode, what happens when he kills Mallory's grandchildren as to and to when he retires seems to be about four years. Yeah, so it doesn't seem to be directly related. He's been retired and turns out that he has been, he's working as an orderly in Sage Grove. Orderly slash cleaner, shall we call him? Yeah. Scrubber. So the guys realise what the fuck's going on. They need to get out of here. 
So they pull all the data banks, hide yeah. them under the mattress on the wheelie bed. Yeah. The Frenchie gets back into it. They wheel him out because that's their exit strategy. Unfortunately, they happen to pass Lamplighter. Yeah. And it's just, it's so good because he looks so confused and Frenchie looks so angry when they lock eyes. Frenchie, I think, is is going to stay on that gurney. He's not going to risk it. He can't help but give Lamplighter a Why look. Why do they put the sheet over but, his head? But no, I, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> I don't want it to turn into a fucking Han and Greedo thing but Lamplighter turns around and pulls out the, the, the lighter, lighter before for, Frenchie yeah. flips off the it's blanket the and pulls click, out the gun the click, you get the click of the lighter opening yeah. and that's he comes so, out and starts shooting and they push Lamplighter gets knocked out of the way because it, what really sucks about his power is he can manipulate fire but he can't produce it it just feels like such a cop out. Like it I, really does. No, I think I think that's a direct oh, it nod to the X Men because obviously Sean Ashmore was Iceman in the X Men films. Yeah, and in the X Men film, Pyro is the same. He can't in the early films. He yeah, can't he can create fire. It, he can just control. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's that's specifically why they've made that choice. Yeah, I think it's nice that that was Frenchie's probably going to, well it was going to be Frenchie's biggest test. Did he stay? Would he stay? Or would he go straight for Lamplighter? And he didn't go straight for Lamplighter. No. But it didn't matter because Lamplighter goes straight for him. Yeah, and he lets out a big like whoosh of flame in the hallway. We discover that even though the facility is built to hold soups, they cheaped out on the doors. Because that door, he blasts a big hole in that door. And it doesn't look like wood or metal. I don't know what the fuck they made that door out of because it just disintegrates. But he can, Lamplighter can incinerate people inside those rooms. Because we saw him just do yeah. it without wrecking the door because he walks out of the door afterwards. But the door itself is shit. Yeah, I know. I'm having, <laughs> yeah, I'm having structural integrity issues. Uh, he lets out, well. Cindy. Cindy. We that whole moment when she steps out and Lamplighter's like, oh, fuck. And, and starts trying to, like, calm her down and is like, remember I brought you more mac and cheese? <laughs> yeah, and the boys are like, well, if Lamplighter suddenly doesn't give a fuck about us and is terrified of this girl, we should probably be scared too. Well, they get a taste of how powerful she is. Yeah. Because a guard runs up to the end of the hallway and pulls a gun on her mm-hmm. and she pops his head. Well, he, he unloads he, just, he unloads a few rounds into, into her back it, first yeah. and it doesn't seem to stop her at all. No. Which is interesting because we see one of the other residents get taken out with bullets later. Yeah, so again, super standard superpowers don't seem to be a thing. But yeah, the boys use that opportunity to run the fuck away run! from Cindy after she explodes the guard. No. Also, Mother's Milk, go back if you go back and just watch Mother's Milk. Oh, the way he runs. Run. <laughs> yeah. It is brilliant. But they they run back to the security room and Lamplighter puts in the code and tries to close them out, but <laughs> Frenchie holds the door for a second and then the female just barges through. Yeah. They all get in and hide. And, and freak out. Yeah, have a little bit of a freak out. Because she's because Cindy, as they've been legging it, Cindy's been ripping all the doors off all the other cells. So yeah, it's a full-on breakout. Oh, it is a riot. <laughs> there are guards being destroyed. There's orderlies getting fucked over. There's shit on fire. You It cuts to the outside of the facility where the other three are waiting. And Huey's watching through binoculars and he just sees a guard like pounding on a window yeah. and then run off and then a big blood spray 
way up the window. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, shit. No, it's Annie watching it. Sorry, because she turns around and walks back. The van roll scene. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit later because before that, when the guys are still in the uh, security room, and yeah. they're trying to convince Lamplighter that oh, they yeah, need to, to work take, together. Yeah, to get out of there. MM's like, look, you can torch me and you can torch Frenchie, but this girl right here, she's a soup. You torture her, you're just going to piss her off. Yeah. And... That's when we get the vomit guy breaks into the room. Yeah. Gets Lamplighter down on the ground, vomits on him a little bit and kind of incapacitates him. And female just grabs him, flings him on the floor and stomps on his neck before he can vomit anymore. And he vomits No, she punches him in the diaphragm. Oh, yeah. And And he vomits all over his own face. And it's quite disgusting, but also quite a beautiful face melting scene. Oh, it's the the VFX on that are fantastic. Um, and also gross yeah and gross there's oh, yeah. there's a lot of gore in this, this episode yeah it's, it's <laughs> a gross. lot a lot of gore like it's up there with Madeline Stilwell's face slowly melting like yeah. they do the face melt really well and, and he's like right like, she can yeah you guys can stay yeah yeah you can come <laughs> you can stay and yeah after that is when we get our van roll scene. oh yeah because they're having an argument outside the van I can't remember what they're having an argument oh I don't I don't remember exactly what they're talking about but it's 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 cut pretty short because they see a bloke in like he's just patient scrubs uh just kind of wandering by and yeah. they know rightly that he's a soup because they've seen that shit's gone down inside and they're kind of like hey you know relax there guys you okay it's all okay and he's like I, I don't want anybody to hurt me anymore and they're like no no nobody's going to hurt you and he powers up <laughs> yeah, I like his power. He, he sends out like a shockwave. Yeah, we only get to see it the once, but it's pretty fucking powerful because yeah. it knocks the two of them on their feet and it's, sends the van it, rolling no, three or four he, times. No, he sends out an EMP because... Oh, Starlight can't use her powers Starlight afterwards. can't use her powers afterwards, so it must be an EMP because he, she makes a statement that he fries everything. Yeah. But we don't get to see it again, unfortunately, because Butcher, very quick reflexes, and probably the only time I'm like, yeah, okay, he kind of deserved that. Uh, it shoots him in very quick succession three times in the heart it's very neat that's it End yeah story. it doesn't look like the guy's about to run away or anything so he might do it again and yeah. he, he goes down quite quickly and yeah he goes down just with the three shots but Cindy can take Cindy, several yeah, and be so fine it is it does seem to superpowers do seem to vary but immediately after taking those three shots Butcher's like shit Huey yeah which is the first time we see any sort of concern for anybody else well, the first time it's been as urgent as that. Yeah, because when they get him out of the van and they see just how bad of a shape they're in, yeah. the, his first thought is, we need to get him to a fucking hospital. Yeah. And... Because he stands up, they get Huey out of the van. How he goes, because he's sat in the front and then when the van rolls, he's lying in the back. Or well, was he like perched in between the two front seats? Well, I mean, the way that van rolls, yeah. unless he was strapped in, it doesn't matter. He was going to get tossed around that yeah, van. Yeah, but he's got a big shard of glass through his abdomen. Yeah. It, it ain't good. That's when... We find out Starlight's powers are, Cause, are wiped. Because the first thing Butcher says is, can you cauterize it? Yeah. Which is, whereas previously he would have been like, get the fuck away from him. He's <laughs> yeah. like, can you cauterize it? Yeah, he's um, all about saving Huey. Yeah. And he's like, we need to get him to a hospital. She's like, well, how? And he's like, it doesn't matter. We need to just fucking go. And he's the one who's like, what about the rest of them? And he's like, well, they're on their own now. Yeah. And yeah, as you, you rightly point out, it's it's the first time that he's properly concerned for Huey. It's the first time he's properly really concerned for anybody. Yeah, because we even saw the hesitation in episode three when Homelander's uh, trying to get Annie to kill him. Yeah. He kind of, he stalls a little bit and then uses Kimiko's brother. But this time it's straight away. It's no, we need to save Huey. Yeah. 
and off they go and they make their way out to a main road and, and flag down a car. Like, seriously, if you're going to approach a car and just be like, FBI, we need to come to your vehicle. And your man, I don't understand the escalation in this whole sequence because your man is like, I can take you to the hospital. Like, you don't have to take his car. You could just be like, we've been in an accident. Please drive us to the hospital. Um, I know it's the whole, it can be traced back to them. Yeah, thing. I think I think it's partly that. he They're still wanted criminals. Yeah. And Starlight's one of the most famous celebrities on the planet. He hasn't recognized them yet. But there's a good chance if they're in the car with them for however long driving to the hospital that he will. And given what they're investigating as well. Oh, especially with Annie being there because she's a gone full on rogue. Actually, I hadn't considered that. Yeah, like he's he hasn't recognized her yet. But if as I say, if they're driving to the hospital, he might at some point be like, hey, hang on, you look familiar. Are you not that Starlight girl? Yeah, that might be bad. And he sees Butcher's gun. Yeah. And that's when he runs for his own gun. And Annie still tries to defuse the situation. Yeah. But just as he's about to, to fire... I, li- I like the addition of this as a stand-your-ground state. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with the notion of which, to me, is insane. Also, the fact that he's just got a handgun in his car. Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's not get into American gun laws. I know. <laughs> but I was just like, because I actually had to go and look up what a stand-your-ground state was after watching it. And was like, oh! Yeah. Oh! Yeah. That's messed up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But it, it, it doesn't matter because even though he tries to stand his ground, Starlight ends up having to use her powers. Yeah. And she fires off at your man and he goes flying over the car and we hear a particularly heavy thud. Oh, that's a squelch. That's, yeah, that's a thunk. And yeah, the guy's dead. That oh, yeah. guy is dead. I know you were saying a few people seem to Some people seem to think it was, yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw a few comments online that were like, oh, and he just left that guy. And it's like, well, no, no. he's dead. Because no, if Annie thought he dead. was alive, she would have tried to do something or revive him. But no, he's dead. But, and Annie's got to come to charity. Like, this is the first time that, you know, she doesn't, she's not in this business to hurt people. No. And it's the first time that, number one, she has kind of overreacted. Well, I don't... Well, or reacted excessively. It's. I don't think it's an, it's an overreaction, but it's a, it's a split-second decision. It's save Huey or hurt this guy. Yeah. And she picks Huey. Yeah. And she is pissed off because she's like, why didn't you just shut the fuck up to Butcher, basically? You know, I would have been able to handle it. Yeah. But what's done is done now, and they get into the car and head off to the hospital. And the exchanges in the car are quite interesting for a number of reasons. Oh, God, no. First of all, when they get in and there's a child seat in the back seat. Yeah. And Annie looks at it and, like, she's already struggling with what's going on, but she can't deal with it because she has to deal with the fact that they have to get Huey to the hospital. Yeah. And this stuff is all just racking up there emotionally. And she realizes he has a kid and she's like, oh, God. And that's when she turns around to Butcher and is like, could you just shut the fuck up? Because he's eyeing her in the mirror. Well, he tries to say... You did what you had to. There wasn't. No, he tries. Yeah. He tries to comfort her, basically. Yeah. Because he does realize that this is probably the first to, time. As, it's as close to comforting as as yeah. he gets, realistically. And yeah, she kind of tells him, "No, I don't. I don't want your sympathy. Shut up." And has a little chat. It's just like she's venting. Nearly, she's not even saying it to Butcher. Yeah. About how before she would have been really torn up about it, but now while she was thinking, it's just why did she pull the gun? Yeah. Why, you why stupid, did you do it, yeah. you stupid prick? And. 
that I thought was really interesting because it's the first time that she's like outwardly acknowledged how grey things have gotten for her this season. Yeah. She's been doing an awful lot of like extortion and blackmail. Yeah. And working between two and sides. How far she's come from this bright eyed, bushy tailed, naive person. Yeah, who who believed that everything was black and white, good and evil. And here she is now after just killing a guy so they could steal his car. Because they were breaking into a facility that she only found yeah. out about by legally hacking into somebody else's computer. Yeah, and it's, it's... Is she any better than the rest of them and all the stuff that they're doing? Yeah. It, Did the ends justify the means? Yeah, she's she's definitely kind of... I think she's she's trying to come to terms with that and, and kind of parse it out. I believe what she says about the guy that all she thought was why did you have to get in the way you know and Butcher does then give her this look of eh and she's like no I don't want it I do not want it whatever that look of quiet recognition and respect was you can fucking keep it because she's she's not saying this because she's saying oh this is the way I'm going to be now she's saying this isn't a good thing I used to think one thing and now I think this kind of more callous way and it's not good you know she doesn't want it to be justified Mm. and she doesn't want that that respect from Butcher. She doesn't want the hate from Butcher, but she doesn't want that respect from Butcher either. Yeah. And then they do manage to get him to the hospital. Yeah, thankfully. Turns out he's going to be okay. I yeah. imagine that glass going out would have hurt as badly as it did going in. Yep. And we do see... A little bit of him afterwards off his face. A little <laughs> bit. I would have loved to have seen really, really dopey. Oh, doped up Huey. I just think that would have been <laughs> so fucking around. cute. Yeah, no, you do. I like the, what we get though. The little exchange between the pair of them, and she's laughing at the fact that he uses. It's the L'Oreal, yeah, the, the strawberry shampoo for kids, for kids. Strawberry smoothie, and I can actually see the bottle. It's like the one that looks like it's red with a green cap and looks like a strawberry. Yeah, it's like the no more tears stuff. And then Butch takes it even further, talking about slathering cream. No, of his axe his body spray. <laughs> yeah. Because he apparently thinks that smelling like a child is the best way to attract women between his <laughs> strawberry shampoo and his motherfucking Axe body spray. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not doing too bad for himself. Yeah. So Robin and Annie yeah. both fell for it. But yeah, no, I like it is. It's a sweet little scene of a bit of genuine bonding over, yeah. over what Huey. What does he say that he slathers on his arse? Some Creamy Destin. I don't know what Destin, Destin is. Creamy Destin, okay. I, I'm gonna, maybe it's like pseudo cream? Is it, yeah. Or something? I don't think pseudo cream exists outside of Ireland. Well, okay, so we have no idea what Destin is, is and they well, have we no have idea what pseudo cream is. We have this thing called pseudo cream. No, don't explain it. No, until it's somebody explains shit. Destin to us, we're not going to yeah. explain pseudo cream to them. It's the shit. But Here's I like else. that they do they find this common ground and it is Huey yeah whatever about how Butcher feels about soups and whatever about how she feels about how Butcher operates yeah they both know that they still need Huey and Annie has the whole bit about how neither of them really deserve he's too good for either of them and he's so great because he just doesn't give up on you and that's that is Huey's character certainly in the show more so than the comics that you know he's not willing to give up on Annie yeah um, and he's not willing to give up on Butcher either. You know, we saw that in the last episode. Whereas Huey of the comics is a quick to give up <laughs> on a lot of things. Yeah, he's kind of like... The phrase shit or get off the pot has never been truer for anybody than we <laughs> Huey from the comics. Yeah. He just he just can't get over certain things and he's constantly coming back to the same things. Whereas Huey in the show is a lot more about growth and a lot more about keeping people yeah. on track. He does go through a little bit of a shit or get off the pot every time at the start when he's like, that's it, I quit. That's it, I quit. That's it, I quit. 
Yeah. Um, but that's just him trying to find his limits. Yeah, I think it is. Um, but it's not as it's not as frustrating as in the comics. In the comics, it just kind of it does kind of get annoying. It's like, come on, Huey, for fuck's sake, just just grow a pair. <laughs> but we've already seen Huey of the show grow a pair a few times and stand up to Butcher and stand for what he believes in. Yeah, that's kind of where we leave Butcher and Annie and, and Huey for the episode. Yeah, and back in Sage Grove, shit is still going down after the break in from the vomit soup. They go off and end up in like a, a room where you store medicine. What's the, the pharmacy? Word? Yeah, sorry, the pharmacy for the facility. Oh, and or as as Frenchie calls it, a paradise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's so happy. And they kind of lock themselves in there and try and and think of a plan. Well, the number of the main reason they go there is the fact that. Lamplighter has like acid vomit like eating through his shoulder and he needs to treat that as well. Of course, yeah. Plus it's a secure room, obviously being a pharmacy in a mental facility. Like it's going to have like the good locks and the good door. Yeah. And when they're in there, MM's trying to get information off Lamplighter as to what's actually going on there. And Lamplighter says like, oh, maybe I just like burning people. And Frenchie can't help himself and is like calls him an animal and brings up Mallory's grandkids this is when we actually get the whole story yeah, of what what actually happens. happens well number one they have to pin him back down again because when Lamplighter makes him, the comment about maybe I like just like to watch them burn well no he like to let them he burn. says why didn't you stop me maybe you like to watch them burn too maybe you're just an animal like and Frenchie goes for him and they hold him back and Frenchie just completely flips out starts firing things off the table yeah. and banging the table on the ground and we see a reaction from the female. She just looks like completely shocked and kind of heartbroken for him because I don't think she's ever seen him like this. Yeah. She's probably heard mention of Mallory's grandkids, but she's never seen it come out in him like this. No, and it, it's the thing that has been mentioned from the very get-go as the, the reason he's not in the group is Mallory's grandkids. Yeah. That seems to have been his exit from the boys. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, that was when things fell apart. Yeah. And that was why, like, M.M. didn't want him back involved. But, yeah, we we get, after Frenchie's little freak out, we get another flashback. And that's the one that's of five years ago. And we see M.M. showing the ring that he's going to propose with to Frenchie. And they have a, a really nice little moment. And Mallory congratulates them. And Butcher's off in the corner. Doesn't give a shit about I, any of this. The, thing, the main thing I like about this flashback is the way they're all styled is a lot closer to how they're actually portrayed in the comic book. Like yeah, Butcher's what they're in wearing. the very tight thing with the BUDs and the boots and the slick black, and the hair. Slick black hair. And he's more, his beard and everything's tighter. Frenchie, well, Frenchie doesn't look like Frenchie in the comic books anyway. No, but... He's wearing a more similar style. Yeah. MM's got the baseball jersey on mm, on over know. the t-shirt like he, they look a lot closer to how, how they were doing the that and when Lamp I love when Lamplighter shows up Lamp- Lamplighter's fucking coat I'm sorry can I have that well that coat is amazing are you kidding me with the big ass hood on it after the reception that he gets wearing that coat he might not want to keep it so because yeah, they well, just laugh their well, asses off the coat him. is amazing the mask but I think the thing that tops it all off is his big ass staff his big staff yeah that he has to have because he needs a fire source but basically he's there he's the boys have set up a meeting with him and Mallory shows him something on an iPad and says yeah look I think you know and he's like what happens next and they say look you're gonna tell us everything about what goes on in that yeah. tower 
and he's kind of like fuck you and Mallory says look don't don't act like you have a choice in this yeah and he storms off and Mallory says to Butcher she doesn't really like it yeah. you know they've cornered a, a, an animal basically so she sends Frenchie off to tail him and that's where it all goes wrong for Frenchie we finally get the reveal as to what happened and why Frenchie's gotten the blame for Lamplighter torturing yeah. the kids and yeah we see Frenchie tailing Lamplighter he goes into some nightclub or something and Frenchie gets a phone call and it's Cherie and turns out that Dickface friends Jay Dickface is he Jay or is it it's, Joe it's Jay is it Jay I called him yeah. Joe earlier that's how much I give a shit about this guy oh, I think you called him Jay earlier but no I'm pretty sure I called him Joe earlier anyway Dickface decides yep. to up an OD like a fucking bitch Cherie basically begs with Frenchie to come and, and help them. You come... Yeah, well, she calls him Serge. Yeah. She's like, Serge, you come here now. I, actually, we haven't really addressed that. Frenchie never has a name in the comics. He's always just Frenchie, but we find out in this episode... It's Serge. Yeah, he has an actual name. But she's like, you come home now. So Frenchie makes a judgment call. He's, yeah. His says, whole... thinks Lamplighter's in the nightclub at least for a while. Runs off to help with Jay's overdose manages to bring him back around he said, and like that's the thing that gets me he goes he, he says I was only gone for 30 minutes yeah and he goes he gets him F and F to the heart brings them all back around yeah says from, he has to go and she's like right well if you leave us you're not welcome back here he leaves he leaves because he knows he has to long he, story short he saves him he goes back uh, Cherie's mad at him Joe's mad at him or Jay or whatever the fuck his name yeah. is and he was gone well the time he gets well, we back see, we see Lamplighter is gone yeah, Lamplighter's gone and cut back to the present day. And Lamplighter's got his explanation as to why Frenchie didn't. Yeah. And, asks, and the first thing he asks him is, did your friend survive? And I, I understand why, because Lamplighter finds out Frenchie left to save a life. Yeah. And he wants to know, I killed two people yeah. because, because you didn't stop me. Did you at least save the other life? Yeah. And we find out that while he did save him, he never saw him again. And, and found he, out he OD'd and did die a few months later. Yeah. And that, that doesn't help the situation for no, that later on. No, it really doesn't. because And it doesn't help Frenchie's situation because Frenchie was like, well, he was going to kill himself anyway. I could have saved these kids. Yeah. It's like, you know, trying to do this, the right thing, but it has come across as a wasted effort, which eats up Frenchie even more because he couldn't stay. Mm. And it's like, maybe if he had stayed that night, he couldn't have changed the events that happened with Mallory's grandkids, but he maybe had been able to turn things around for his friends. Mm. And he's failed on both counts. Yeah. Like, it's a very hard thing to live with. It's an extremely hard thing to have to live with. To think that not only did you let these two children die, but was there anything you could have done differently? Like, it's playing the what-if game, and all that will ever do is bring heartache to your life. Yeah, and, and M.M. is quick to acknowledge that. And he kind of says to Frenchie, he's like, Frenchie, why didn't you tell us? Yeah. Like, after been... all these years, we, you know, we, we would have let you off. And Frenchie's response is, no. I didn't want to be let off the hook. Yeah, it's not your responsibility to forgive me when I can't forgive myself. It's survivor's guilt in a way. And yeah, it's them being mad at him is his punishment. Yeah, and I think the female after hearing that story, oh she understands... Oh my God, her face like broke my heart. She now understands, I think, a little bit more of why he was so insistent on saving her. Yeah. But he, he never told anybody why. No. Because he didn't want to be forgiven. No. And, and it doesn't it doesn't excuse yeah. what happened and because what happened was so horrific. And it's nice to actually get that whole backstory because it's been you've been getting these little glimpses of it. 
But when they had mentioned that it was Frenchie's fault the first time that that comes across in season one when they all meet up yeah, back in the van. Like episode three. I it think. was like, oh, okay. He seems to have, like, either he had lost track of him or antagonised him into doing something. All, well, all we knew was it was because Frenchie didn't stick to the plan. Yeah. The fact that, well, Sean Ashmore, can I just point out, is amazing in this. He is. The despair that he has over his actions. Hmm is a complete 180 from the way Lamplighter acts in the comic books about it because he's like almost gloating over it. Oh yeah, Lamplighter in the comics is, is just a total... Yeah, but like, he gets turned into it. a shit-flinging zombie so it's okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fact that the pair of them are, are not torturing themselves but their actions have continued to haunt them. It's nice to see that Lamplighter at least does seem to have a bit of a soul. Oh yeah, it's, he, he's, he's completely remorseful for it and like Frenchie, yeah. he knows he can't do anything to change it and I think he's a man with no hope and that's why he's resigned himself to, that's why he's able to do what he's doing in Sage Grove because he's kind of like, fuck's sake, well, I, I killed kids, Yeah, I can kill these people well. As the well. revelation then of this then story. Yeah, he spills the beans that Sage Grove is where they're testing and refining V so that it can be injected into adults. Because it only really works in babies. Yeah, when you inject into an adult, you either get somebody who's super-powered, somebody who explodes, or nothing. Yeah, there's no there's no or solid... Somebody, or just somebody who's crazy. There's no guarantee on it. So, like in the rich history of psychiatric facilities, they are being used for mass testing of <laughs> uh, non-sanctioned drugs. Yep. And it, they're it, producing all these volatile soups. And his job there is to burn the evidence. The, the attempts to refine the V also explains the wild variation in powers. Yeah. How Cindy can have her explodey people power but also be able to take bullets. Yeah. And EMP guy who rolled the van has what seems to be a really powerful power but is otherwise just yeah. a human. It turns out, yeah, they're, they're trying to refine V. They're basically trying to, because I think it is it mentioned that they were trying to build on Vought's work. Vogelbaum was trying to I think refine it. I think they're actually trying to build on what Homelander did in season one with the terrorists. Yeah, they're probably trying to weaponize it for oh. or like stabilize it for a military um, use. use. Oh yeah, that, that's because a... at the end of the day, Vought is a pharmaceutical company. Oh yeah, but I think when Homelander admits to Stillwell at the end of season one what he did, he says, you know, it's a messy process. A lot of people just exploded when we gave them the injection. So nobody had been trying to give it to adults until Homelander yeah. did. And then the people at the top of Vought, Edgar, realises, oh, hang on, Homelander had some measure of success and he's a bumbling idiot when it they comes to these kind of things. They were just jabbing it in people left, right and centre. So let's do an actual trial. They're, it's a terrifying prospect. More terrifying is perhaps what ends the conversation. Oh, and God. And through the window. Oh, Wraps it's, it's <laughs> itself around M.M.'s neck. It's nightmare fuel. It's, it's some Love nightmare sausage fuel. makes a reappearance. No. But uh, everything. And it's so funny because it's like beating him on the side of the face. And it was like, ha! Ha, that's a not safe for work gif. <laughs> everything about that is so funny. Oh. To, to the female knocking him out and him getting the bossy imprint on his head. head. To them watching it drag itself back out the window and return and, up yeah, his return. pant leg. And Frenchie telling him, hey, don't be so close-minded. He was like, oh, dude, it was on my face. It's uncomfortable. They saw it. It's hilarious but, is what it is. 
But I will say that for the show, they're very, very good. Like we had just gotten a huge amount of detail and very deep, dark conversation. Yeah, and, and revelation they managed and redemption to bring, and bring the lightness back up a bit by having a giant penis crash through a window and try and strangle MM. Yep. Um, yeah, and it so also like, brings hey. you back into the peril that's going yeah. on. Because while all this while they're having this conversation, you kind of forget that there's an insane riot going on with, yeah. with people with superpowers and mental instability. Great but, mix there. Yeah, just they, throw in some Red Bull, they'd be fucking fine. Uh, <laughs> but it after, brings you back into that situation yeah. as well in a really nice way that's not jarring. Well, I, the giant cock smashing through the window yeah, was jarring, but, but not you in la- that way. But you go, ah! And then you laugh at the yeah. absurdity of the situation and then you're like, oh yeah, fuck, there's like shit. Yeah, so they, they go back. blowing up. They go back out into the day. Well, now they, they try and make their escape because things seem to have calmed down. Yeah, a well, he's bit. made, Frenchie's made some sort of knockout boom. Yeah. Because I just love the way he says bomb. Yeah, but they head out into the hallway, toss the knockout bomb at Cindy, who just crumples it. It's and, a bit of a Uh oh. Yeah, just as they're like, oh fuck, what do we do? Stormfront reappears and. Oh, she's not a happy camper. She comes flying in, well, like, slams open the door. Yeah. Lamplighter! Oh, well, she shocks the fuck out of Cindy. Yeah. Not super happy because she found, what, three of them outside on the lawn? Yeah, well, yeah, she calls out for Lamplighter <laughs> and Lamplighter says... Sorry. Do you remember in EastEnders when Bianca and Ricky used to be in it and she used to just go, Ricky! Oh, we, we don't have time for an EastEnders tangent. We're an hour and 26 minutes into the recording. No, Come but on. the way she screeched Lamplighter was very reminiscent of the way Bianca used to screech Ricky. Yeah, that's a reference for like four people. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Lamplighter appears and surprisingly doesn't sell the boys out. No. Well, in fairness, he's kind of terrified of her. Of who? Stormfront. Because she's very, very much higher up that food chain than he is. Yeah, but he could easily, in the same way that he blames it on the dead doctor by saying he got the dose wrong on Cindy and Cindy broke out. Yeah. He could just blame the it boys. Them, he yeah. could be like, these motherfuckers right here behind the wall, they caused it all. But he also knows how much trouble they have caused to them. Like, I know he said that you guys, you know, Homelander, the Seven Oars retaliate and he was like, oh, you guys were nothing. Uh, They've managed to infiltrate his, uh, like, I, a facility. No, I, the, I, the, when he says, oh, you guys were nothing, that's just bluster. The real yeah. reason he didn't go out, that they didn't, the Seven didn't retaliate is because he would have had to admit to them that he killed a bunch of kids. Yeah. Well, he's seen what they can do as well. Like yeah, they've been, I, they've been continually fucking shit up for them. And he's not for years. And he's not been happy in in his role there because yeah. when we saw him on the phone to Stormfront in the previous episode, he's like, he's just a kid. He's only seventeen. He doesn't yeah. like killing people there, but he doesn't see an alternative. This is a way for him to get no. out of it. Yeah, which we see later on. They do. Um, he has the confrontation with Stormfront. Stormfront's like, right, whatever. Yeah, she says she's going to go off and, and clean up the mess. Yeah. And make, the boys hot-tailed Yeah, there. they make their escape in an ambulance and relocate to convenient lo- wooded location to meet up with Mallory. Yeah, MM's on the phone to Butcher and they kind of fill each other in as to what's happened. Huey's going to be fine. Huey's going to be okay. They're all fine. They're all safe. They've got all these mad files yeah. that link Sage Grove to Vaught. Uh, Mallory arrives in and... Gives Frenchie the real cold shoulder. Oof, it's, it's, yeah, it's rough. I can understand where Mallory's coming from, yeah. Especially if she never got any explanation as to why Frenchie no. fucked up on the job. Yeah, she still is in the, in the dark about it. But he can't really give any sort of excuse. He does try to give his condolences and she shuts him down entirely. 
you know, given the situation, she's also been informed that Lamplighter's there. She opens up the back of the van. <laughs> yeah, she's got one thing on her mind. Yeah, which is kill this man. Yeah, put a bullet in this man's head. And she's like, why isn't he restrained? And they're like, no, he wants to be here. Well, she says that. Or, sorry, he says that. And she's like, I don't even want to hear from you. But and he does. He sees this as a way of getting out. He can cooperate. They can protect him. Oh, no, he wants to die. Like, he, he says to her, like, that, that he, he knows what's coming. Yeah. And he wants it. That's his out, is, is a bullet to the head. And it's Frenchie who steps in and says... No, but you can torment him as much as he torments himself. Yeah, so you the bigger... You very much get that he's talking about himself as well. He's talking about the three of them. He is talking about the three of them, but Frenchie manages to convince her that uh, a worse punishment for him than death is to leave him alive because yeah. he hates himself so badly. And Mallory's... That- just about convinced and says, well, you know, well, what are we going to do with them then? Yeah. <laughs> and that's all we get from the boys in this yeah. episode. And it was plenty. Yeah. <laughs> Don't no, get me wrong. Yeah, no, just getting Frenchie's backstory, but the way it was spread out and contributed to the story is always nice to see. I hate unnecessary flashbacks, but in this, it actually helped further the plot. For a show that could use, like they could use flashbacks a lot in this they if don't. they wanted. They always use them in a really specific plot driven way. Yeah, there's very few times and yeah, they are always used well. And it was something that I really wanted to see. I really, We, we finally yeah. got that answer as to what actually happened with Frenchie Lamplighter and oh, the kids. Oh, don't get me wrong. I would love to see the baguette jousting at some point. <laughs> we might get it in the anthology series. I would love to see that. I would love to see. We're not going to get it because Huey's not Scottish in this one. But Huey's parents. Huey's parents. Oh, oh! Well, before we go on another massive tangent, one important thing in that scene as well, when they hand over Lamplighter, is Frenchie apologises to the female for how yes. he has been acting. Yes, he does. Frenchie he, grows. He says, Frenchie learns. Yeah, he basically says, I, I was trying to make up for past mistakes by trying to save you. And I realised that that was wrong because you never asked me to save you. Yeah. And he says... I'll leave you alone and gets up and walks away and there's a look on the female's face like Don't go. Yeah, you didn't have to leave like the apology yeah. was fine. You know, you don't have to leave me alone. We can be friends. Just don't try and save me. Yeah. Don't try to kiss me again. Especially <laughs> when you're pilled off your face. Yeah, yeah. Definitely don't try and kiss me when you're yeah, off no. your face. No, it is like it's nice to see and it seems like a lot of the equilibrium is restored between them because them being at odds with each other threw off the balance. Yeah, and it's something that they um, all kind of fell apart the last couple of episodes. They were all off doing their own thing. Yeah, and it's they're kind of very slowly finding their way back to each other and all solidifying as a team again. Yeah, they're re-solidifying relationships and new relationships are getting solidified with like Butcher and Annie. Yeah, and M- well, her acceptance into 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 the, the boys. Yeah, yeah. M M and Frenchie have finally kind of gotten over their thing and he stuck to the plan this, this yeah. episode well I don't think they I think um they never had as much of a beef with each other no but that was that was M.M.'s only beef with Frenchie yeah. and now he knows why yeah and he's forgiven him uh, even if Frenchie hasn't really, forgiven it's himself it's really nice to see that they're coming together as a cohesive unit whereas the seven appear to all be falling apart uh, you've got the Deep coming to see Maeve. I just, I thought it was hilarious. She's watching TV in her trailer, vaping away. And the Deep rocks in and she's like, you're supposed to fucking call. Yeah. And he's like, oh no. And he, well, no, he I feel he, really bad for him because he goes to talk about like that. He went off looking. Yeah, the school halibut. They're a yeah. real bunch of radio motherfuckers. <laughs> and he gets all like worked up to get all excited about him. She's like, I don't care. Yeah. 
I felt really find. bad for him being shut down by that. But yeah, he ends up, they found a um, wreckage of the plane crash. Yeah, they found a and, GoPro. And found a GoPro and have given it to her. And he goes, I don't know, like it was at the bottom of the ocean. I don't know if it works. I haven't looked at it, but here you go. Couldn't find the black box. That's what he went looking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't find the black box. Um, So he hands her this GoPro and he leaves. And... We see nothing of the GoPro or Maeve until much later in the episode. No, but when he leaves, he's walking across that and he runs into Adrian. Yeah. Is chatting away with him and is like, how are things with you? You know, they're doing to you what they did to me. <laughs> they, you, um, he they, dangles the bay. No, and uh, before, uh, no, 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 come on. Before we talk about that, we have to at least acknowledge the deep line about A-Train saying that he's getting fucked in the ass with a soup can oh yes yes he is <laughs> it's just a great little phrase but Deep. he points out that you know they're doing the same thing to him that they did to the deep yeah well because he tries to say to him oh you know they're trying to do it to you what they did to me and push you out and it sucks and A-Train's all like oh well I'm getting this deal from Nike and Under Armour and yeah, I'll be fine yeah they're all talking to my people it's going to work out really well for me and that's when he's like oh well then in that case you probably don't need his help see you later A-Train's like mm, whose help <laughs> and I love the how he whips around that backpack and is like <laughs> hey. want a fresco <laughs> yep it's so it's so good but it's like oh no uh, oh he's a full member of the church now ju- just the turning around with the fresco was the culmination it was like no but when you he- love you heart Zebu <laughs> when he brings him to the dinner oh that dinner's why why Orinoco flow because why not <laughs> <laughs> but I love when uh the deep just unloads on A-Train. Yeah. Like, oh no, Alistair asks A-Train what's on his mind and he's like, oh, not much, you invited me here. And he's like, okay, hey. He's being polite. Yeah, okay, Deep, what's on your mind? And Deep is like, well, pretty sure A-Train sabotaged me my whole career and he's always tried to... <laughs> he's been storing that one up for a while. <laughs> yeah, A-Train's like, whoa. That's like that's ya. like when you're one glass of wine too deep. <laughs> Let me tell you uh, something. Yeah, somebody's annoyed you because in Vino Veritas, but in this case, in Fresco Veritas. Apparently, yeah. And uh, yeah, A-Train's like, oh no, I'm not, I'm not here for this bullshit. Um, yeah. And gets up to leave and Alistair really then... He just throws out the little, well, we know you're multiple thousand dollars in debt. Seven figures. Yeah, seven figure debt, heart condition on the way out of the seven. Can you really afford to... withdrawal, yeah. Can you really afford to get up and walk away? And he's like, turns around, he's like, did you fucking tell him that? And Deep's like, no. Oh, and the most cutting one of all, they're going to give Shockwave your uniform and rebrand him. Yeah. And he's like, they can't do that. And he's like, why not? It's It's a trademark. trademark. And you're just a nobody from the south of Chicago. Yeah. But yeah, it manages to convince A-Train to, to uh, sit down and tells him, look, look, we can do for you what we're doing for the deep. We can raise your profile. We can get you back into the seven. Yeah. You just have to sit down and listen to some of the deep's truths. Yeah. That's <laughs> and, a comfortable conversation right there. Yeah. But we have heard from the deep him saying that A-Train was one of the ones who, put, you know, when he was with his psychiatrist, he was saying oh, A-Train yeah. was one of the ones who used to, like, leave the, the blow-up dolphin with lipstick hole, yeah. or lipstick around the blowhole and that kind of thing. So he definitely did feel bullied by A-Train. Yeah. The deep this episode has served as primary shit-stirrer. Um, kind of, yeah. Yeah, like, he's gone in and, like, he is trying to help A-Train, but it is also shit-stirring. Uh, he's definitely, definitely been out stirring the pot with Maeve with this GoPro because she... Why well, I don't do think people he knows. not have better fucking hiding places for shit? Annie just had a phone in a cupboard. Maeve leaves the GoPro attached to her phone <laughs> yeah. in a drawer. Yeah. 
And it's like the drawer where they keep the the takeaway menus. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you can blame the D for no. Staring. It's not he's the, just doing what he, yeah, he but it, will benefit I, him. But yeah, no, you can definitely blame May for leaving the GoPro attached to her phone and while Elena was over. Yeah, Elena's like because Elena they're in her suite and Elena's like, oh, I'm gonna get sushi. Gets her phone, switches on the phone, realizes it's playing the footage from the GoPro, which turns out to be footage from the plane. Yeah, of them leaving this. And Maeve comes out of the shower, tries to reason it away. But she goes about it all wrong because the first thing she says to Maeve is, this is what we can use, or to Maeve says to Elena is, this is what we can use this for. We can use this to, to blackmail Homelander and get our freedom. She doesn't try and explain what happened. Well, she does she afterwards does after. when she's like, I had to watch a whole plane full of people die. And it's and like, again, kind of the reason why that whole plane full of people the first, did die. But the first thing she says to Elena then in justification for it is, I watched a whole plane full of people die. It's about her, not the plane full of people that yeah. went down. As much then, as she's grown in empathy, at the end of the day, she's still looking out for number one and her brand and her image. Well, oh. I don't know it's about brand and image. It's about trying to keep Elena, and she's trying to show Elena, look, I'm doing this for us. Considering the fact that Elena has stayed with her after that god-awful Brave Maeve chocolate bar ad. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Elena's put up with an awful lot of shit. But but it's it's like the, the seventh or eighth thing that Maeve says is, I know I should have tried harder. But she, she doesn't say that until after this is our out. We can use this to blackmail Homelander. Yeah. I watched the whole plane of people die. There was nothing I could do. He would have killed me. And then she's like, well, I should have tried harder. Yeah. Because she realizes none of the other stuff has changed the look on Elena's face. No. And probably nothing she can say will change the look on Elena's face. Because Elena knows Homelander's done some horrible shit. But No, she knows Maeve has done some stuff, but it, the way that it's been phrased to her is that he made her do these things. Yeah. Whereas this looks like she's willingly going with him. Now, it does show the piece where she does try to Take save. Take the mother and daughter, yeah. And you can hear Homelander in that. Be, um, so they can tell the rest, the rest of, the of the world. world. Yeah. And it is heartbreaking to watch it. And the way she goes about explaining it, it's all wrong. It's all wrong. Oh, it's all wrong. There's no remorse for the actions. It is all, how can I cover it and say, it's all about, use this. Yeah, it's all about excusing the actions of what happened on the yeah. plane and why it's a good thing that I have this here because we can get out from under Homelander. Yeah. Well, it's fair and it's getting out from under Homelander is not a problem Stormfront's having at the moment. <laughs> no. Uh, she realises that she has done pissed off Homelander and but, I don't think she's afraid of him. I think the reason she opens up is to get him back on so yeah, so she goes to see him in his suite. Can I just point out the scaffolding no, he, everywhere? He comes to see her. Is it and her place that they were It's at? her place because he, he comes to see her and he, he, he still tries to be a there, bit I, on the threatening <laughs> side. I just love the fact that they've got like, you know, <laughs> scaffolding trying to he, repair the damage that they caused. Because when he comes it into her, her place, yeah. he, when he comes into her, he's talking to her about, you know, how he's not happy with her. And he says one of the things that she said to him was that she doesn't break easy. And he's like, and I was thinking about that. And that's when she apologizes. And she says, I'm never going, I never should have lied to you. And I'm never going to lie to you again. Yeah. So here's the truth. And we find out all about Stormfront. She, yeah, launches into her history. She doesn't sugarcoat it. She's like straight up. Well, she she leads into it by saying that the picture that we saw of her and her grandma. Yeah, is actually her daughter who died two years previously from Alzheimer's. Yeah, and Holland is like, the daughter? And that's when she says, I was born in 1919 in Berlin. And she has a series of photos and she's like, oh yeah, there's there's Heimlich Himmler. Yeah. 
Lovely dancer. There's Goebbels. <laughs> oh, Goebbels. And the most important person in the room in the next photo was a wedding photo of her and, and Frederick Voss. Homelander's face during all of this is just incredulous. Yeah, she explains about how she was the first successful V injection. Yeah. He then gave her a, a beautiful child and, and made her the first real superhuman. And, but he also told her the, the right way of the future yeah. and his beautiful vision. And this... Homelander is the, the epitome of that vision. But big up to Ayakash for this whole scene because you get that passion, that frenzy, that fanaticism passion yeah, and comes then, out in her when she's the, talking about this dream of this army of Superman. And, and the panic when she's talking about the culture war and how their race is being she, eroded away. Like, and, if you ever watch any any like documentaries of people who are involved in cults or anything yeah. like that even people who had been in them who are now removed from them and they do get that. It's almost like somebody getting a contact high from talking yeah. about something. They, yeah, it comes she, out in them in, in these incredibly passionate bursts. Yeah, as she ramps it up and starts talking about the culture war and then how she's, no, what we need is an army of, of superheroes that are pure and the whole time Homelander's like, yeah, he's this is a lot to take in and he's like, He's not really sure how to deal with it all until she gets to the point in her speech where she says that he's going to be the one to lead this army. Well, of he's pure actually turned around and le- is going to he's leave. Kind of, yeah. When she says, "And you would be their leader," and he's like, "Ooh, yeah. yes, What's hello." This now? And then she, yeah, she starts telling him that you know he's he's the perfect individual and and like the ideal leader. And she was alone for so long and watched everybody she loved died, and then she found him, and he's everything that she ever wanted, and. She makes the point of saying that we found each other. And I was like, no, no, that's, that's Yui and Annie's line. You can't yeah. pervert it like that. Yeah. Yui and Annie found each other. And that's the good thing. You fucking freaks. Can't. You made a very interesting point, though, off record about one of the other reasons you think she's so interested in Homelander. Well, there's a few things that I can now talk about. One being that the reason that she's so into Homelander, we now know everybody she knew and loved has died. She, Number two, she's a massive Nazi. She's a ma- well, she's a massive Nazi. And he's 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 an Aryan wet dream. Oh God, he is, but and more, he's he's also easily malleable. Yeah, he's he's an easily manipulable manipulatable Aryan wet dream. But more importantly, he's the only superhero who's had a child with superpowers with a human with a normal person as well. I, on yeah, top and of he that. he yeah he his superhero she wants offspring. Him to pump a baby in her. Yeah, his his offspring with a normal human created a super baby. She wants to have super babies. But also one of the other things is it also explains why she's so interested in Sage Grove. Whatever Vought are interested in Sage Grove for, she's interested because if they can stabilize, stabilize V, she can create her army of Aryan superheroes by just going around and injecting all the alt-right and neo-Nazi fuckheads. Yeah. It also explains the weird holds that she has with Stan Edgar and within Vaught and why she can get away with so much shit yeah. is because she's literally the wife of the founder of the company. And any shares that he had when he died would have reverted, reverted to, to her. her. So yeah, she would have massive sway behind the scenes. Yeah. Obviously not as Stormfront, but as... As whatever, whatever her own Vought. name is. Mrs. Yeah. Vought. Yeah, as a Mrs. Vought. 
Um, but yeah, no, that's so we finally get the reveal of Stormfront. Stormfront is a hundred year old, full on card carrying member of the Nazi party. Yeah, and if you the hadn't picked up on any of her racism up until that point, you really need to read <laughs> your priority, reevaluate your priorities. Um, it's open disdain whenever she passes A train on set. Yeah. Like she doesn't, like it, it's, she's not even bothering to hide it. She's becoming bolder in her machinations. Now she's got Homelander on side. You could see Stormlander, Stormlander? Homelander. Oh God. That's their couple name, Stormlander. Ew. <laughs> or Homefront. But yeah, he, he's turned off by the whole Nazi thing. He's like, ooh, no, hang on, you're a Nazi. Like, no, 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 no. He's, he knows enough to know he can't sell the Nazi thing, but he does get reeled back in by this army. Uh, you know, he's sold on the idea of an Ubermensch, not by being white, but because he clearly thinks superheroes are definitely superior. Oh, yeah. You know, he's talked about They're humans. They're number one. He, but he's talked about humans being mud people before. Yeah. And so that kind of, of racism of black versus white, he's not into that. Now it's becoming But genetic. superhuman yeah. versus human. Oh, yeah, he can get behind that. And you want me to lead it? Oh, yeah, I can get behind that yeah. too. So, yeah, he's That's he's totally fully, tickling his taint. Yeah, he's, you love that phrase. It's a good phrase. <laughs> he, and yeah. Starfront was doing it earlier. Yes, yes, she was. But yeah, he's he's well and truly under her thumb now, at least for the minute. Oh yeah, um, he is drinking that Kool Aid. He is all in on this. But yeah, the episode ends on that big reveal, yeah. with the small exception of we see that Cindy has made it out of Sage Grove and is hitchhiking down the road. Yay! And hopefully we will see more of her in the future. Yeah. Oh well, I know there have been references made to her in the Vought News Network segments. Yeah. Um. So we're, we are getting her. It's I'm, in some I'm, way yeah. in season three. And I, I hope... would like. I would very much like her to be Silver Kincaid. Uh, and I would se- like to season see... rap talk. Yeah. <laughs> season rap talk. But yeah, no, really, really fun episode, evidenced by the fact that we've been talking about it for two hours yeah. now. It's um, a big episode. There's a lot going on in it. There's a lot of, of character progression. Uh, there's a lot of plot progression in this episode we're seeing, too. we're seeing that really nice balance again of action versus gore versus characters, serious character yeah. development versus levity. Nothing major I didn't like. As I said at the start, uh, Homelander and Stormfront fucking beside a corpse directly after talking about the age of cameras being everywhere. Yeah. But uh, it's only a small nitpick. Yeah. No, uh, overall, it's, it's a good episode, yeah. Oh, definitely. It's a fantastic episode. I really, really enjoyed it. But we will be back next week, guys. And we will be talking the Season 2 penultimate episode. Yes. Season 2, Episode 7. And just like last season, ramps up to a good finish. Can't wait to talk about the last two episodes of the season. No. But if you want to get in contact with us, guys, you can hit us up on Twitter at RantsMono. You can send us an email at monorantspodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on all your Spotify, your Apple, Google, all podcast providers. Otherwise, we'll talk to you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We are Science Fiction Remnant. This is the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. We are the Caribbean Science Fiction Network. We are Monorats. We are One Core Level 2 Podcast. This is Sci-Fi.